God is good? All the time. Amen. So, it may look different up here. This pulpit is here, and usually I am speaking behind a music stand, and that's because there was a memorial service here yesterday, and uh, it was a memorial service for Insuk Lee, which is my mother-in-law and Janice's mother, um, who passed, and uh, she's been a part of this church since we began, and in and out, because sometimes she'd go to a Korean church. Um, but it was a beautiful service. Um, I, I uh, had to wear two hats and preside over it, um, of the service, as well as um, be, <laughs> be a supportive uh, husband and, and father. Um, but it was beautiful, and thank you for the space and um, for sharing that. Um, but that's why this is here, <laughs> all to say that. Um, but we continue in our Embody series and about what it means to embody or live out our faith uh, tangibly in the world. As Jesus, through his incarnation, when he came to the world, came to walk with people face to face, to hold our hands, to touch us, to heal us, to lift up the chins of those who were in despair, to touch the eyes of the blind man and to say, see, to touch uh, the lame people, those who were determined to be uncleaned in the culture during the day who probably had not had human contact for a long, long time because of they were outcasts because of societal norms. And yet Jesus broke all of the rules and the norms and the etiquette and touched them. And so uh, we as followers of Jesus live, continue to live um, as the body of Christ. Literally the church is called the body of Christ because we are the embodiment of Christ's body in the world. That as we talked about last week, when we forgive one another, when we reconcile with the other, they are able to see in our face the face of God himself. And we're able to see in our brother and sister when we forgive or are forgiven by them the face of God. And so um, it's beautiful, isn't it? And it's also a huge, powerful responsibility that in our actions and in what we do, people can experience Jesus and the love of Jesus and the compassion of Jesus. And it's beautiful. It's a beautiful gift and grace that when we maybe feel alone, when we feel disconnected for, from God, the times when you're crying out to God, I don't see you. I don't hear you. Where are you, God? All this stuff is happening. It's not a kid's Sunday, so. <laughs> All this stuff is happening. Where are you? People are getting sick. Loved ones are dying. I'm losing, I've lost my job. I'm struggling economically. Where are you, God? I don't touch you. I can't touch you. I can't feel you. I can't experience you. I can't hear you. Where are you? And, and it's times like that where it's a gift and a grace to be loved by another person. To be 
spoken to with words of encouragement, of hope, of love. And in their face, we get to experience the face of God, amen, in tangible ways. So, lest we think that, you know, God is invisible and God is, you know, kind of the spirit out there that we, we, we only have to just believe in. Um, we experience Christ on a daily basis um, through the world around us and through the people, his people, um, in our lives. Amen? Um, man, it's been a hard week. And so if I, I seem disjointed, it's just been a long week. Uh, we found out um, that Janice's mom had passed last Sunday, which was Mother's Day. We were actually going to leave church service to go have lunch at Olive Garden at our apartment. Tim, Janice's brother, had gotten gone ahead um, and was at her door. She wasn't answering. He could hear her computer on knocking. She wasn't answering. He called her phone. She wasn't answering. And so he called Janice and like, get over here. Something's wrong. And uh, Janice later texted me, just take the kids home uh, with the food. I picked up the food from Olive Garden. And uh, they had to call the cops to let them into the door, uh, into her apartment. And then they found her, passed away. Um, and uh, so this week has been details and comforting my wife and... Um, they're gathering the stuff in her apartment, trying to move her out, trying to figure out, you know, where's her will, what were her desires, and then planning the memorial service, um, which happened here, and then we had a burial at Abbey View. Um, so that's all to say. <laughs> um, I'm kind of, you know, feeling things myself, so forgive me for that, but hey, this is church. It's time to be real, right? Um, But the beautiful thing in this passage is that, or leading up to this passage, Jesus had just been stoned uh, for the second time, an attempted stoning of Jesus. And so he escaped uh, across the river, uh, Jordan, uh, to retreat, to, to get away. His disciples are like trying to protect him. You know, there's a lot of heat in Jerusalem. Let's stay away. Um, but then word comes that Lazarus, the brother of Mary and Martha, who were friends of Jesus, and we see them in other episodes in the gospel, Lazarus had gone sick and was on his deathbed. So Jesus tells his disciples, hey, we're going to go to Judea, back to Judea. And they're like, no, 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 don't do it. It's dangerous there. You know, there's a lot of heat. We want you to be protected. We want you to be safe. But he goes, and on the way, I believe it's <clears throat> uh, Martha gets to him first, and she says to him, Jesus, uh, well, Lazarus passes away. She gets to him, Jesus, if you had been here earlier, I know you could have saved my brother Lazarus. If you had been here earlier, I know you could have saved Lazarus. But I know that you can do whatever you want. So she's still, even in the midst of 
right, the finality of death, the death of her brother, she still acknowledges the power of Jesus to do whatever he wants. You can, basically, you can raise him if you want to. And Jesus uh, goes on to say, I am the Lord of life. I'm, I'm the Lord of resurrection. I have power over death. And um, he asks, whoever, he says, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. If you believe in me, I'm the Lord of life. You'll never die. You'll have everlasting life. And of course, he's pointing to, forward, right, to the vision, the Christian hope. That when we trust in God, when we believe in Jesus Christ, we will never die. Uh, that's on one level. So she responds, Martha responds, Yes, Lord, she replied, I believe that you are the Messiah, the one who's come to save the people, the Son of God, who is to come in the world. And then she leaves. I believe you are the Messiah. I, I believe on this big uh, uh, level that yes, we will be saved and we will live forever. She went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here and she said and is asking for you. Mary heard this and got up quickly and went to him. And Jesus enters the village. But Mary met Jesus right where Martha um, had met him. And she says the same exact thing that Martha says initially. And that, Jesus, if you were here earlier, my brother would not have died. Though, like, so late, it could have been, but it didn't. If you had just been here. She doesn't add the part that Martha did of, but you have the power. Right? She just leaves it there. Maybe almost in a blaming tone, you know. Perhaps. If you had only been here, Jesus, Lazarus would not have died. And this is the part that I, I want us to focus on in verse 33. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord. They replied, Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. See how he loved him. These two, if you, if you were to ask, uh, if you had a Bible trivia question, what is the shortest verse in the Bible? Right? The shortest verse in English in the Bible. We shouldn't say in Greek because it's longer in the Greek. But in English, and it depends on the translation too. Anyways, the shortest verse in the Bible is in John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. Just two words, Jesus wept. And yet in those two, in this very short phrase, this very short, the shortest of all verses, there's so much meaning and depth packed in, right? Because it tells us that even though Jesus is the life and the resurrection, even though Jesus has the power to raise people up from the dead, even though Jesus could look into the future and know how the story is going to end, that in the end, there's victory, they're going to win, there's going to be eternal life, everything's going to be okay, no more 
sorrow, no more pain, no more tears for the world. Even so, Jesus feels the depth of sorrow alongside the people who loved Lazarus. Jesus felt a deep, was deeply moved in his spirit and troubled. Jesus weeps with Mary and Martha. And I think this is a huge uh, model, example, and lesson for us as uh, the body of Christ as we're in the world. I think Christians sometimes get the uh, bad reputation of having the right answers or maybe the wrong answers at the wrong time for people when they're in crisis, when somebody dies, when the tragedy strikes. You know, I, I myself have been a part of, you know, just wanting to punch people when they give me, I'm struggling or something and they gave me, give me some sort of platitude, right? Oh, God is good. Everything's going to be okay. I don't feel that way, right? Everything's not going to be okay. Or just believe in Jesus Christ, right? Or, you know, our, our country has wrestled with, you know, earthquakes and tornadoes, natural disasters, one after the other. The world is experiencing suffering, war, attack, the loss of homes. And then you hear about some Christian leader or Christian pastor saying, oh, this is God's punishment on this people for some sort of sin or this is this or this is that or if only they repent then this curse will be lifted and every time I hear that I'm like no no that's not that's not that's not the right story right you're, you're giving Christians a bad name you're giving Jesus followers a bad name because look look in the Bible in the Bible even though if anyone should have the right answer at the right time to give to people, to tell the people when they're in the bottom of the barrel, when they're suffering the most, it was Jesus who could do that. He literally not only can give you the answer, he is the answer, right? But he knows the right moment, right? Now is not the time to be like, everything's going to be all right, right? I'm Jesus, Right? And in fact, I'm going to raise this guy up from the dead, ultimately. And everyone's going to celebrate and be happy. No. When he sees that Mary is weeping, he's deeply moved in the spirit and weeps alongside that person. Right? And this past weekend um, was my first actual funeral memorial service in a church. Um, and, and then someone close in our family, like between Janice and me, someone close in our marriage, someone close to us passing away and having to comfort the other. And, um, that's what I learned, right? I learned so much that just in being with Janice, there are a couple of times where, you know, she was just lying in bed, 
and I just sat next to her and had my hand on her, you know, and didn't know what to say, didn't know what to do, but just be next to her, just feel as she's feeling. And that's all that I could do. Right? Even though everything in, inside me is like, what can I do? You know, you want me to like, you know, look for the world. You want me to call the IRS and get a, you know, tax ID for the, your mom's estate. I was trying to like do all these things I could control and uh, take care of details. But the main thing was just being. And the other thing was as a pastor, you know, I was wearing two hats yesterday, but as a pastor, being there and just reading the words of scripture or reading the liturgy, you know, a lot of it is already written out, but that how much it was, how important it was for people to hear those words, to hear the hope, but like just to be present. Um, as a pastor in that time, in a time of death, um, in that tension of, man, we know that in the end there is life and there's hope, but we are experiencing the grief of death, right? It's so final. We will never see this person again, and death happens. And yet, as we're mourning, we're also celebrating that she's going to a better place. We don't quite know what that, be- none of us knows what that better place looks like or what it will actually feel like, right? It's a mystery. It's a mystery, but yet we point to that hope, right? We believe in that hope. And yet we're also mourning and holding that tension and being like, all that range of emotion that people experience that's being human. And what we see in Jesus, in the incarnation of Jesus as human being, is that Jesus was deeply, deeply human. He had a heart pumping in his chest. When he heard Mary and saw Mary weeping, he was moved to weep as well. And as people... In the body of Christ, we are called to be human, right? To be human, to feel all the complexity of emotions, to allow others to be human and to feel their complexity of emotions and to be present, to be with. Maybe we don't have the right words. Maybe we don't have all the answers. But we know each one of us have experienced loss or we've experienced suffering. So we know how to walk alongside people as they suffer. Amen? What does it mean to weep as Jesus wept? What does it mean to cry alongside our friends, our family members as they cry? What does it mean to hold someone's hand as they suffer through COVID-19 or deal with the loss of a loved one? What does it mean to speak to a child and say, yeah, things are going to be okay. It's going to be better. I know it's been hard to not see your friends. 
I know it's been hard not to talk to that person and to encourage um, with our presence. I'm going to read this section of scripture again um, in a Lectio style response. So I'm going to read it three times. And each time I read it, I want um, you out there to cling to a phrase or word um, that sticks out to you. Cling to that phrase or word. And each time I read it, ask God, why, do, why is this phrase or word meaningful to me? What are you doing or saying to me through this word, through this scripture? Um, and then we'll do that, and then we'll have maybe a brief time of open testimony if anyone wants to share. Um, and then we'll go. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid them, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. Hold on to that word or phrase um, and meditate on it. Lift it up in prayer and ask God what he could be saying to you in the midst of it. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. And I'll read this for a third and final time and continue to pray on the scripture and ask God what he's saying. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if he had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews he had come along with her also weeping. He was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. So one of the benefits and strengths of having a smaller gathered group is that uh, we can be a little more intimate, right? And we can connect face to face more by sharing stories or testimonies or sharing. The risk in doing so is also because that's scary and awkward and it might scare off people. <laughs> and so... Uh, you may feel like, oh, I'm never going to be back here because they're going to make us share. <laughs> but uh, this is all to say um, we're going to take that risk. And you don't have to share if you don't want to, but um, please.
please, um, I'm going to open up time to, to share what is God saying to you? Uh, what word or phrase that got to you and what is God saying to you um, in the midst of this? Um, and we'll do it all together. Anyone else before you come back? I believe uh, we're called to be a people of lament, just as Jesus lamented. And oftentimes we ignore, right, in the effort to be about victory and, you know, things are good in God. We ignore the suffering that's going on right around us or in our own hearts. Jesus didn't do that. Um, we're called to lament. And when we lament as Jesus lamented, then the church begins to see people, right? We see the people who are mourning. We see suffering in the world. We see the tragedy of racism, of division. Um, we see injustice. We see oppression. And we are able to step into that place. And so... Um, may we be willing and courageous to step into lament because Mary and Martha weren't spared experiencing the death of Lazarus, right? Like, because we follow Jesus doesn't mean we won't experience suffering <laughs> or hard things won't happen. I mean, Jesus is about to experience one of the hardest things in, in the world and he just came from a stoning, so... Hard things, we're not immune from hard things as believers, but um, we have one another and we have Jesus with us as we suffer. So that's the promise and that's the hope. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word and thank you for your heart that you show us your heart in the scriptures and you show us uh, your heart daily through worship, in our sorrows, in our lament and the sorrows and the lament of people around us. And we do lift up um, the people who are mourning right now, those who have suffered from uh, or died from uh, gun violence in Buffalo. Um, We weep and we mourn. We cry out to you, God, on their behalf. In your mercy, will you bring your healing in our world, uh, your healing touch to those who are in pain? And will you heal our nation, heal us as individuals, heal this church? In Jesus' name, amen.